Hello everybody and welcome back to the stories of the UO. I'm your host Gabriella Scro and today I am joined by Nishta Yadav. Nishta is a graduate teaching fellow here at the University of Oregon and before coming to UO was a journalist at one of the largest English newspapers in India and got her master's in political communications at Emerson College. Nishta's journalistic work focuses on activism and social advocacy and she has worked with nonprofits in the US, India, and Uganda. It doesn't stop there though. Nishta is also part of the Graduate Teaching Fellow Federation here on campus, or the GTFF, who recently just negotiated with the university for higher wages for GEs. Nishta, thank you so much for being here today. And I want to start off by asking, how did you find the University of Oregon and decide to continue your academic career here? Thanks for having me here, Gabs. Um, I think for me, uh, the main attraction was the fact that we have faculty members that are working on every facet of communication here at the SOJC. So if you're studying fan studies, advocacy, game studies, we have a professor here. Uh, My work is intersectional and it was important for me to have that kind of, perhaps variety might not be the right word, but I want to have that level of support and expertise around me that I can because because the work that I do is centered towards the global south so it's really important for me to have uh, faculty members from all over the world which we have at the SOJC and that that they support my work so that's why I'm here and um, also was very pleased to see that we have union representation through GTFF we get a fantastic health insurance which is a luxury in the United States which is which is sad in its own way. So yeah, that's why I'm here. Your research focuses on activism and social advocacy in New Delhi, and you continue that here in the United States. Um, So I wanted to ask if you've observed any similarities and differences um, between here in the United States and New Delhi. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say one of the things that my dissertation is focusing on is the fact that how Black Lives Matter in the United States has helped crop um, movements across the global south, in fact, across the world. So, for instance, Black Lives Matter became Dalit Lives Matter and Muslim Lives Matter in India. Uh, Similarly, it became Nigerian Lives Matter in Nigeria um, in 2021. So that is the premise. So the idea here is that I have observed that is different from what I saw in New Delhi is that there is a direct political action link to it. So for instance, the unfortunate murder of George Floyd in 2020, what happened was there was um, nearly a 300% or 400% increase. Uh, I'm not really sure. Don't quote me on that. In, in voting in the district that George, George Floyd used to live in. So there was a direct social and political impact, something that the global south is still struggling with. Uh, Particularly in India, we have a right wing government that is going towards authoritarianism. So for us to have any sort of direct political action linked to activism has been a challenge. So I feel like that is like a key difference here. Um, What it also shows us, Black Lives Matter movement has also shown us, it actually in the 2020 elections, um, it Trump lost because of that exact reason, because there was this social advocacy. There was this awareness that voting is your right. Voting is important. So see, it's 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 your right. But there was also political and social action involved with it. So I thought that was very interesting how they framed it, um, framed activism as a form of social change and political action, something that we're still struggling with in India. 
Having said that, uh, we have Muslim activists and activists uh, from the lower caste, from my own community as well as the Dalit community, who are going out there and fighting the big fight. We have incarcerated um, activists who've been in prison for years and years and haven't seen seen how the world looks like because they are stuck there. So there there is good work happening, but there is also repression by the government. Something that I think there is a lot more freedom here. And you mentioned activism, like, especially in the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, I specifically remember, like, finding out about all that from social media. So I wanted to ask, do you think that the digital landscape has changed activism and uh, the way people talk about social and political issues? That's a good question. Um, I truly believe this is a layered question. So first to begin, to, to simply answer your question, yes, it has, because it has given people space to find their community at the tip of their hands like they don't have to go to meetings offline they can find people who believe in the same cause online a hashtag a boycott is is not just limited to the online spaces anymore if there are practices that people disagree with if they're for instance even in labor movement if we find that uh, somebody is using unfair labor practices there can be a community there there can be solidarity there and it can lead to an offline action like uh, people would stop buying uh, a particular product and their stocks would plummet however we cannot forget the digital divide we are talking about spaces that already have access to the internet that is not true for the rest of the world something that we have to keep in mind i think what is happening and i'm talking specifically in the context of india because i'm not really sure if this is happening in the united states um is that the government ever since uh, twitter has been taken over by elon musk um the government has been issuing ha- has been issuing notice to the to to twitter saying that oh if somebody talks against the government that they can actually withhold their account so there are all of these practices that are happening outside the united states so we need to remember the digital divide and the fact that there are these practices where people can withhold your right of for speech for free speech were you able to apply anything you've learned in your um, career and research to your involvement in the GTFF here on campus? Yeah, so I'm the co-VP of equity and inclusion at the GTFF. Um, this is interesting. I think one of the things I can really apply to my research is the collective power we had as GEs. I think we were able to build a very credible strike threat because we were all oriented towards a mission like our this was a form of activism this was a form of saying that we our platform was dignity dignity for all ge's we want dignity we want respect so we were really uh, we had built solidarity between our members and i think that is something that i would want to study in my work like i want to see how members of different communities build solidarity and and take a collective action so i think that's something that i could apply to and i think we had such significant wins even though that's not really the question i really want to talk about the fact that we have one protections for international students caregivers uh, parents and most importantly we were able to introduce a clause uh, that the supervisors cannot misgender ges and that these are big wins 
along with a with a pay raise um so you mentioned that you hold the position as a vice president of dei how did you get involved with this organization on campus yeah i knew i wanted to be involved with gtff right away i really wanted to build a community of like with like-minded people who believed in the cause and the mission that ges deserve dignity respect equal rights but going a little bit forward as to why i even ran for this position was because i wanted more representation for international students and people of color i felt like in a year when we were bargaining with the university that it's important to have that representation at the executive board level i really wanted to be there uh, while our bargaining team did a fantastic job i wanted to be there if it came a time where i needed to advocate for international students or brown students or students of color particularly um so these were like some of the reasons why i got involved and i also want to mention that um our health insurance is fantastic and it is because of the efforts of our previous executive boards and they worked really hard to make sure that we have a good healthcare a system of support within the university so these were some of the reasons why i got involved Yeah, so GEs are obviously very important here on campus, and I know from personal experience, GEs are some of my favorite parts of courses when you get to interact with people who are passionate about what they're teaching and can help you out. But as an undergrad student, I feel like I don't know as much about the GTFF and those negotiations. So I want to ask you, what do you wish more undergrads on campus knew about? um the GTFF first of all i think there are opportunities to get involved with USW our fantastic um student worker union that is just going to go into bargaining i think in a couple of months don't quote me on that what i want um our undergrads to know that we deeply care about them we we love them like i want you all to succeed and i remember each and every name because i do really care and i'm passionate about my work what gtff does is give gives me protections to do my job effectively and i think i would also encourage uh, we have a lot of actions where undergrads can get involved such as picketing and also a great way to know how unions function so if if you go to any gtff member any ge and you want to talk about gtff they are not going to say no because i know at the end of the day we want this to be an institution and any other institution across the world uh, any uh, any organization should be unionized and this is such a great step for undergrads to learn more about this process and this experience we'll start to wrap up here but before we do um i want to ask you what words of wisdom would you give to uh students who are passionate about advocacy and activism i think one piece of advice would be to not engage in slacktivism so slacktivism is sometimes we feel that because we've posted something on our social media that that's enough i also want to honor uh, how people are feeling in the moment sometimes it can be very overwhelming but we need more people out there it cannot just be uh, a story in instagram and then you're done that's not activism the idea is to get immersed into a community to find unions or find find organizations that, whose work you look up to and 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 find ways to get involved in person offline you could just be handing out flyers that's that's activism to me uh you could just be helping somebody revamp their website uh, there are a lot of non-profits and trust me i worked with a lot of non-profits to know they have no money so find grassroots organizations find ways you can be involved and do it go out there and do it don't restrict yourself by thinking that being online is enough it isn't as i mentioned earlier in our conversation 
voting was linked with the social and political action i would want people to think about it from that perspective i know there are a lot of organizations in ug in that are trying to pass certain acts and they need people to help them get signatures do that these are all ways you can get engaged but don't think that being on social media is enough that is not activism in my book we need to go beyond that and with the state of the world right now we need it now more than ever that is a very good piece of advice that i think a lot of young people especially could apply to their daily lives nishtha thank you so much for coming on the show i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come here and be with me and thanks so much for listening to this episode of stories of the uo i'm gabriella scro and we'll see you next time Bye.